0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pocket Size Pathophys, brought to you by theparamedictute.com. My name is Sam and today I'm going to be talking to you about acute pulmonary edema. So, edema is an accumulation of fluid in an interstitial space. Acute pulmonary edema is a sudden onset edema in the lung, so a pathological accumulation of fluid in the lung tissue. When we look at the causes of APO, we can break it down into two main categories cardiogenic, so caused by the heart, with things like heart failure, myocardial infarction, arrhythmia, valve dysfunction or fluid overload from renal failure, or some less common non-cardiogenic causes, such as sepsis, burns, eclampsia, high altitude, and toxic inhalation. To better understand the pathophysiology of edema, it helps to understand the key concepts of how fluid moves in and out of the vascular space, so inside the blood vessels, into the interstitial space between the cells that is outside of the blood vessel. This generally happens at the capillary level. This movement of fluid happens all the time and it aids in the delivery of nutrients to cells and the removal of waste products. Under normal conditions, the fluid inside the blood vessel is forced through a normally permeable capillary by something we call hydrostatic pressure. The majority of fluid is then pulled back into the vascular space via osmosis There's generally a small amount, around about 10% of fluid that is not pulled back into the vascular space and this gets removed by lymphatic drainage. This process occurs constantly and any alterations to any of those aspects can lead to edema in that area. Talk about each of those steps more specifically. So hydrostatic pressure is the physical push pressure of the fluid against the inside of the blood vessel walls. So things like increasing the total fluid volume And/or the blood pressure will increase hydrostatic pressure and increase the amount of fluid that is pushed out of the vessel. That fluid is going to be pushed through a capillary membrane. So the cells that make up the wall of the capillary normally there's some level of permeability to allow fluid to move out, but this permeability can be increased due to damage or inflammation, increasing the permeability increases the amount of fluid leaving that vascular space. The osmotic pull on fluid, so pulling it back into the blood vessel from the interstitial space, is mostly dictated by the levels of protein called albumin in the blood. Lower than normal levels of albumin will reduce that osmotic pull, so less fluid is pulled back into the blood vessel, meaning more would stay in that interstitial space. And finally, excess fluid is mopped up by that lymphatic drainage. If there is an increase in fluid accumulation in that interstitial space, it can quite easily exceed the capacity for lymphatic drainage, resulting in edema. Blockage of lymphatic drainage can also lead to a specific type of edema called lymph edema. That was very general about all forms of edema, but let's specifically talk about cardiogenic acute pulmonary edema. So, when we talk about APO in a clinical context, we are mostly talking about cardiogenic APO. So things like MI, a heart attack, valve issues, arrhythmia, and heart failure can all lead to an increase in hydrostatic pressure in that pulmonary circulation, all with, with very similar mechanisms. So if we take heart failure as an example, as we discussed in a recent episode about heart failure, the main problem is an inability to pump blood effectively, which can lead to a backlog of of blood. So if we look at left-sided heart failure there is a backlog of blood within that pulmonary circulation. So the blood vessels that carry blood from the right ventricle through to the lungs and then back into the left atrium. The increase in volume of blood in these vessels increases the hydrostatic pressure in those vessels. Therefore more fluid is leaving the vascular space and moving into the interstitial space of the lungs. The osmotic pool remains normal and is still returning a normal amount of fluid back into the blood vessel, but the volume leaving the vascular space under hydrostatic pressure is now much greater than the volume pulled back into the blood vessel. This leads to a net movement of fluid into the interstitial space. So we get fluid accumulating in the lungs. The lymphatic system can remove a small amount of this, but it will quickly become overwhelmed, leading to an accumulation of fluid in the lungs in the interstitial space, and also in the alveoli. When we look at the alveoli, there is normally a very small distance between the blood inside a capillary and the air inside an alveoli, generally only about one cell distance. Fluid within the alveoli impairs gas exchange, so that vital movement of oxygen and carbon dioxide in and out of the blood and the air in the lungs. The fluid that sits in the alveoli increases the diffusion distance, So the distance, the gas molecule, has to travel to move between the air and the blood. This can lead to hypoxia as less oxygen is able to enter the blood from the lungs. Hypoxia can exacerbate heart failure and further impair cardiac output, which increases the accumulation of fluid in that pulmonary circulation, worsening fluid accumulation in the lungs, which again worsens hypoxia in a vicious cycle. So, patients with APO can rapidly deteriorate. Fluid in that alveoli interstitial space also dilutes something we call surfactant. Surfactant normally helps keep the alveoli open during exhalation. And as there's more fluid accumulating, it dilutes the surfactant, making the alveoli more prone to collapse. And then when you're breathing in again, it takes greater pressure to open up these small airways again. This increases shortness of breath, can worsen hypoxia. And when those alveoli open during inspiration, this can be heard on auscultation as fine crackles. So that was specifically talking about heart failure, but the other cardiogenic mechanisms I mentioned all operate in a very similar manner. So if someone has an acute myocardial infarction, they can get damage to their ventricles, meaning they cannot pump effectively, and again you get a backlog of blood. So valve issues can cause a very similar problem. For example, if you look at the mitral valve, which is between the left atrium and left ventricle, if you have something called mitral regurgitation, when you're trying to eject blood out through the aorta, you get some blood that is passing through this inadequate mitral valve going back up into left atrium, increasing a backlog within that pulmonary circulation again. All of those mechanisms increase that hydrostatic pressure other factors of fluid movement generally stay the same and it's the change in hydrostatic pressure that is causing a pulmonary edema. Now it is also worth noting the non-cardiogenic causes of APO. It's less common but it's just something to be aware of. So things such as trauma like burns or toxic inhalation can damage the capillaries inside the lung and this leads to a massive increase in their permeability. So you'll have a leaking of fluid and also a leaking of protein into that interstitial space. Once there's excess protein in that interstitial space, that's also going to draw further fluid into that space via osmosis. Similarly, inflammatory processes like sepsis or eclampsia will lead to a widespread increase in capillary permeability, and again, you're going to have more fluid leaking out through those extra permeable capillaries. And a bit more of a niche example, high altitude can cause APO as at the high altitudes, you're more prone to hypoxia due to the lower partial pressures of oxygen in the air. This leads to vasoconstriction of those pulmonary vessels, which again will increase hydrostatic pressure. So, what do you look for when you're looking at a patient? So, what are the signs and symptoms? So, you've got shortness of breath, increased work of breathing, and potentially hypoxia. You may hear crackles on auscultation, so those small alveoli opening. And particularly, patients might suffer from something we call orthopnea. So shortness of breath is worse when they're lying flat. So you often see them sleeping either in a chair or with multiple pillows. There might also be signs of fluor overload or edema elsewhere in the body, such as the lower legs and ankles. So that is the pathophysiology of APO. Put that one in your pocket. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please check out the website, theparamanitube.com, and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to do an episode on.